We are talking about life with Jesus, going through the Gospel of Luke and just exploring what it means to have life with Jesus and what it looks like in all sorts of different areas to have life with Jesus. And as we talk about life with Jesus, we have to talk about the context in which we live that life out. And we live that life out in 2021 in a culture that is increasingly changing to be hostile to Christianity, that once what once was kind of acceptable or the norm is more and more seen as strange, as weird, as um, kind of socially unacceptable in a lot of ways. Christianity in 2021 can look more and more ridiculous or just out of sync with the norm of things, of where our culture is. And uh, that, that means this. It means that as we talk about life with Jesus, it means it becomes actually more difficult to keep a faith that is consistent with life with Jesus. And it becomes, it becomes more difficult to share that faith. So it becomes more difficult just to yourself actually have a life with Jesus, but it also becomes more difficult to share that with other people. There's an increasing pressure to conform with the culture around us. There's an increasing pressure to deny certain aspects of the faith or to live, maybe this is even the key, to live inconsistently. I think this is a temptation that we as Christians have is to live inconsistently or to live inauthentically meaning that we espouse certain beliefs, we say certain things, we would say that Jesus and the Bible and church, and we, we kind of have these beliefs over here in one part of our life, but then in other parts of our life, we live inconsistently with that. And I don't know where that kind of shows up with you. It might be in your work. It might be just in kind of conversations that you have with people. It might be um, as you think about certain choices to make or certain values to hang on to or to get rid of. We are tempted as Christians seeking to live life with Jesus. We're tempted, as there's increasing kind of pressure to conform, we're tempted to either just integrate our life into what the norm is or to kind of isolate ourselves. If the culture is changing and if there's pressure to conform, we either say, okay, let's just go with it, and we begin to compromise and live differently than we know we should, or we just separate ourselves completely and say, okay, if, if that's where everything is going, then I can't really be a part of that, and I need to live in my own kind of bubble away from a culture that is going a certain direction. Neither of those is what Jesus desires for us. What Jesus desires for you, what Jesus desires for me, and this is only going to be increasingly more and more important to actually talk about, increasingly more and more important to have resources to deal with, because what Jesus desires for us is to have a faith that endures, to have a faith that is bold, to have a faith that is authentic. To have a faith and a life that is consistent, that's not one way over here and a different way over here, but a faith and a life 
and values and thinking and worldview and actions and words that are consistently faithful regardless of what's happening around us. He wants to give us an authentic faith that is grounded despite whatever pressures exist to have us conform to certain things. How do we do that? How do we have a faith that remains authentic, that remains consistent, that remains grounded and bold, that remains faithful? How do we, how do, we do that? This passage that we're going to look at really speaks about a hostile world and the way to live faithful within it. And so the first question that we are going to explore today is this, what keeps us from remaining faithful? What is it that, that can keep us from remaining faithful? And there are pressures externally, but it's actually too easy to just point out there and say, you know what, you know what makes it hard for me to live faithful in my job? You know what live, makes it hard for me to live faithful in my school? Or you know what makes it hard to live faithful just in my neighborhood or in conversations with friends? It's, it's kind of that stuff out there. It's, it's too easy, actually, to do that. We are tempted to think that the most dangerous stuff is out there, but Jesus says, actually, if you, if you want to remain faithful, the key thing that will keep us from remaining faithful is not the stuff that's out there, but it's the stuff that's inside. And he says that we need to guard against something internal that would cause us in the middle of a hostile world to not live faithful. And here's what Jesus says, meanwhile, a crowd of many thousands came together so that they were trampling on one another. That's just to tell us that it was a lot of people. He began to say to his disciples first, be on your guard. Here's, here's the key of what keeps us from remaining faithful. Be on your guard against the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing covered that won't be uncovered. Nothing hidden that won't be made known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in an ear in private rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. Now let's, let's talk about this, about what it is that keeps us from remaining faithful. Jesus says it's hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is the thing that in a, in a hostile world with all sorts of pressures... It's hypocrisy that can actually keep us from remaining faithful. And here, here's what that means. When we, when we feel pressure from the outside to conform, oftentimes what happens is we live inconsistent. We have certain beliefs and values and truth that we know or that we agree with, but amidst the pressure, we live differently. We live inconsistently. Maybe even at times with some people we live this way and with other people we live this way. Or maybe it's more just internal. We, we're kind of torn inside of us with, I've got these convictions or I've got these beliefs, but it is hypocrisy. And Jesus says it's like leaven. And I don't know if you know what leaven is, but leaven is basically yeast. If you have ever made bread, I heard that during 
kind of this pandemic that people making their own bread has been on the rise. Uh, no pun intended. Um, but his, I, I really, there was no pun intended. I just thought of that as it came to me. But, um, but many people making their own bread, making sourdough, making all sorts of different things. A lot of cottage bakeries have popped up, a lot of special order donuts and things with people making their own stuff. And when you, when you make bread, especially if you're making sourdough, you have leaven or yeast that you add. And a little bit of that, you don't want to put too much in, but a little bit of that, what it does is it affects the whole loaf. If you've got unleavened bread, that's something like a cracker, you know, something flat. But the leaven, the yeast, goes in and it affects the whole thing. And when Jesus says hypocrisy is like leaven, and he says it's the leaven of the Pharisees because this is how the Pharisees lived. We've talked about this the last couple weeks, how the Pharisees, who were the most religious, the most upright, the most kind of church people, and yet lived with a heart that was far from God. And Jesus says this hypocrisy is like leaven. You think about leaven, you can't necessarily see it on the inside. It's working from the inside, but it's hidden. On the outside, it, it might look the same at first, but inside something is happening. There's a hidden component to leaven that is doing its work internally. The, on the outside, we look one way, but our hearts can actually be far from God. Leaven also changes things from the inside out. What yeast does is it begins to, I think, it, it, what I remember, I did kind of some, we've made our own bread, but I did a little bit of reading on this, but I can't remember exactly, but basically the yeast eats up the sugar. And so what happens is from the inside out, it is transforming. This is what hypocrisy does. If we live hypocritically, the outside might look fine, but there's things happening inside. Our hearts can be far from God. And over time, that is changing us. It's eating away. It's eating away at our faithfulness. It's eating away at our character. It's eating away at our life with God. And what leaven does, you only need a little bit, but it spreads. It spreads to more and more areas in our life. And it spreads to those that we have influence with. This is what Jesus talked about with the Pharisees. So Jesus says this. Here's what can keep you from remaining faithful. The thing that can keep you from remaining faithful. And if, if you're someone that wants to remain faithful, we should all think about this. He says the thing that can keep you from remaining faithful is hypocrisy. He says hypocrisy can get inside of you and from the inside out begin to transform you. And maybe on the outside everyone thinks it's Hey, you look great, but inside, your life is changing. Your soul is changing. And he says this, too. You can fool a lot of people. You can do things in secret. He talks about words whispered in ears or in the inner rooms of a house. He says we can live a certain way in private, in secret. And that can be your words, that's what Jesus says, or our actions that, that people, other people do not see. And yet, while people might not see it, God sees it. It's a hypocrisy that begins to change our faithfulness. And what Jesus says is, even if nobody sees it, God sees it, and it will be revealed. Even the question to think about is this, how would you, and this maybe is a scary question for some of us, how would you feel if all the hidden thoughts 
and all the hidden words and all the hidden actions were suddenly made public. If every word that you had spoken in secret about other people, about God, when other people weren't, when the people you want to see weren't watching, if the actions that you did that you didn't think people saw, what if the motives that you have were, what if it was on full display? What if everyone was able to see all the words, all the actions, all the thoughts? How, how would you feel about that? Jesus says, hypocrisy will eat away like leaven at your faithfulness. And what happens is we can live these lives that are secret, but really inconsistent. That's what hypocrisy is. It's one way it's like this and another way it's like this. So we say we believe this, but really it's, we live it out like this. What if, what if you couldn't maintain that illusion anymore and it was all shown? Here's who you really are. Here's the full picture. Jesus says we can fool a lot of people, but God sees. He wants us to remain faithful, but what gets in the way of that is a hypocrisy which means it's not necessarily that our beliefs are wrong or that our intentions are wrong or even actions at certain times, but it's that they don't line up. We can be faithful over here and unfaithful over here. We can speak the right words over here and the wrong words over here. It's that it doesn't line up. Jesus says, amidst hostile pressure to conform and live a certain way, he says, here's what you need to be on guard against that will keep you. Hypocrisy. And so what do we do to remain faithful then? What, what truth does he give us to remain faithful? That, that's the danger that we face. In a hostile world, pressure comes. So how do we remain faithful? And this is really the bulk of what I want to show us that Jesus says. And to understand how we remain faithful... We know that the danger is hypocrisy, but we need to understand what the root of that hypocrisy is. Like, why do we live hypocritically? Why do we speak certain things over here and not over here? Why do we say we believe this and then live? Like, why do we do that? The danger is hypocrisy, but where does hypocrisy come from? What's, what's the root of living hypocritically? And you're not going to really be able to read this, especially our, our big screen's not, not working today. But, but, I but I want to show you just, this is the whole passage, just so you kind of see the context, which really shows us the root of where this hypocrisy comes from. And some of you that are up close, you'll be able to see this. But this, said, this is the whole passage, okay, that we're looking at. But he says, don't fear. Here it says fear. There it says fear. Don't be afraid. And then towards the end, don't worry. So the whole context is talking about our fear with both the positive statements and the negative statements. We're talking about the danger being hypocrisy, but where that comes from, what the roots of that are, and, and we'll look at it as we go through each section, is fear. And if you think about it, this, this makes sense. That the reason that we would live inconsistently, the reason we would live inauthentically is because there's fear in various kinds, in various ways. And we'll, we'll take a look at several that he mentions. But the more present that fear is, the less that faithfulness will be. 
Fear is the root or one of the key roots of hypocrisy in our life that will keep us from living and being faithful. And Jesus wants us here today to live faithful. And so he's going to kind of walk through four different fears that can be present and really truth that counters those fears. Here's the first one that he says. He says that what can lead us to be living hypocritically is a fear of other people. Here's the passage. He says, I say to you, my friends, don't fear those who kill the body. And after that can do nothing more. But I will show you the one to fear. Fear him who has authority to throw people into hell after death. Yes, I say to you, this is the one to fear. This is the first fear that, that Jesus gives to us is that we can be afraid of other people, what they can do to us. We can fear essentially their authority, their power to do something to us. This might be in action. Jesus says, don't fear those who can kill the body, which means there are some people that you may be afraid of in a hostile world. We don't really deal with that in the United States and other places of the world. For those that are Christians, this is a very real danger for them. That to live consistently and authentically in their faith does actually mean the threat of death. Jesus says, don't fear other people. We might be afraid of what people can do physically. We might be more afraid of what people can do just relationally. That they might reject us. That they might not like us. That they might think that we are weird or that we're strange or that we're not normal or that we're hateful. We might fear what other people think of us. We fear their authority and their power to reject us. We might just fear what, fear what they think about us. They might not even actually reject us, but we're just afraid of what people think about us because of our faith. And so we can fear the authority that other people have to physically harm us or socially harm us or just mentally what they're thinking about us or what they might say about us with their words. We can fear other people and their authority I don't know where you feel this. You might feel it at work, that if you were to be more public with your faith or more um, honest with the things that you believe or values that you have, you may fear at work what the consequences of that would be. What people might say, think, do, what the effects of that might be in your relationships or even in your kind of opportunity that you have. It might be, for those of you that are in school, it might be what people in school think of you. It might be in times where maybe you have opportunity to share the gospel or talk about Jesus, but you're afraid of what people would think, do, say, socially, perhaps physically. And Jesus, what's so important about this passage is Jesus doesn't deny the reality that people actually have some power to harm you. He says, don't fear those who can kill the body. So wait a minute, Jesus, I, I might, someone might kill the body? Yeah. He says, don't fear those who have a certain authority to bring harm into your life. He says, what can counter that fear is a greater fear. 
Instead of fearing others, we need to, instead of fearing their authority, we need to know his authority. Instead of concentrating and focusing on what they could do to me and how they might bring harm to me and thinking of their authority to, to change my life, we should think about God's authority and to fear God, which doesn't mean to be terrified of God. It doesn't mean to live scared of who God is, but it means to rightly recognize his authority. That if we're so concentrated on displeasing other people, if we're so concentrated on what other people might say or do or feel or think, that we've stopped remembering that there's one in a higher authority that we want to live to honor and to please, then we've really gone astray. And so he says, do not fear those who can kill the body, but fear God. And he mentions hell, which obviously in our day can be a controversial topic that many people don't even believe in anymore. Say, I believe in a God of love and all that kind of hell stuff and judgment stuff. I, I'm, I'm not down with that kind of stuff. And oftentimes even people will say, yeah, I don't like that stuff. I, I like Jesus. Jesus is, you know, he's cool and he was always hanging out with sinners and he's so kind and, you know, he was with prostitutes and sinners and eating with people and hanging out. That, that's, that's the God I like. Not realizing that Jesus talks about hell more than any other person in the Bible. And Jesus is the one that says that we should recognize that there is a God who has all authority. There's a God that has all authority. And the point is, don't, don't be afraid of, of other people and what they can do to you. The authority that they have in your life to bring some sort of harm. We can't view God just as this kind of soft, squishy, mushy, nice guy. And forget that he's the judge. Forget that he has all authority. And forget that our lives are lived before him and therefore what he says and what he thinks and what he feels should matter most to us. So you want to live, you want to live faithful even if there's tons of pressure against you to conform? You want to, you want to know what it takes to remain faithful no matter what's happening around us? You want to know what truth that you need not to live hypocritically? Jesus says this. Don't fear other people. Remember to fear God. Don't think about their authority. Think about God's authority and who he is to you. That's the first thing. The second fear that Jesus addresses and the truth that he gives that speaks into us to remain faithful is that we often can fear the outcomes that might happen if we were to live consistently if we were to live faithfully. See, if, if you decide, I'm going to obey Jesus, I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to always allow my, my belief and my words and my actions and my values, I'm going to have that stay consistent. There's not going to be a part of me that lives like this and another part of me that lives like this. There's not going to be one me kind of with family and friends and another me at work or one me with these friends and another me with these friends. There's not going to be hypocrisy that eats away like leaven. If you decide to do that, what can happen is we can fear the outcomes. What will happen? What will happen if I decide to live faithfully? Maybe I will be forgotten, meaning maybe I'll miss out 
if I decide to live consistently, I might miss out on opportunities. I might miss out on relationships. I might miss out on benefits of kind of playing both sides. I might miss out on the good that could happen in my life. I might miss out on certain friendships and I might miss out on certain career advancement. I might miss out on being able to be on the in crowd with certain people. I might miss out on some fun. I might, I mean, all sorts of things. We can fear the outcome. What if I, I don't know where you've said these things, but you can, I'll, I'll give you some examples, but you can think about for your life. But what if I lose my job? We can think that outcome. What if I lose friends? If I'm faithful in my consistency, in my faith, then that might lead me to confess certain things, certain sin that is present. What will happen if I do that? If I'm faithful with my sexuality, what what will happen if I do that? What kind of sacrifices will I have to make? If I'm faithful with my money, What kind of sacrifices would I have to, what what would happen to me? What might I miss out on if I live faithful and consistent? We can fear the outcome. We want comfort. We don't want to miss out. We want a good life. And if we stay consistent in our faith, we fear the results. We fear that it might not give us the vision of the good life that we have, whether that's financially, relationally, professionally, whatever it is. And here's what Jesus says. He says, you might fear the outcomes, but you need to know my care for you. Look how he says this. Aren't five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten in God's sight? Indeed, the hairs of your head are all counted. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. He gives us kind of two different images here, two different illustrations about our fear of what might happen to assure us. And he says that God knows the hairs on our head. I love this picture. I I did um, a little research on this, and it said that, uh, the average human head has 100,000 hair follicles, okay? If you're blonde, 150,000, so congratulations to the, uh, you blonde people. 110 for brunettes, 100,000 for, I think that's supposed to be black hair. And for you redheads, 90,000, that's all you get. So, but the average is 100,000. I know some of you are like, 100,000? I'd be happy with 10,000. That would, that would be nice, right? Uh, but the point is this, you've got a lot of hair on your head. Or at least at one point did, right? You have a lot of hair on your head. And Jesus says, I know every single one of those hairs. That's kind of a funny image. That's kind of a funny illustration. But what he's saying there is this. I know every detail of your life. I know every part of you. I know every single part of your life. I know the smallest part. Jesus says that Every hair, every hair God has numbered. Every hair God knows. They're all counted. 
Now, obviously, that doesn't mean that Jesus has counted one by one each hair on your head, but he's saying, I know every single part of your life. Every detail matters to me. When you're afraid about the outcomes of what might happen, when you're afraid about where things might lead, Jesus is assuring us to say every what if that you have. Every, yeah, but what about this? Or what if this happens? Jesus says, I know every single detail that you might be worried about. I know every single possibility that you might be concerned about. I've counted every hair on your head. And this doesn't really have anything to do with the sermon, but I just thought I would show you this. This is something that came up. That's a burger with, filled with hair. And apparently, a study shows that the average person swallows a whole head of fast food employee hair each year. So that's really gross. Okay, so um, <laughs> I was typing in, like, how many hairs and that thing came up? And I was like, that is nasty. Um, that's pretty sick, so don't go to fast food, okay? Um, second illustration, <laughs> that's the only thing some of you are going to remember about this whole sermon. What was the sermon about? I don't know, a hair burger? Jesus also uses an illustration of a sparrow. And sparrows are these little tiny birds. And what's interesting about sparrows also, though, is not just that they're small. Jesus says two sparrows uh, are, aren't two sparrows sold for, aren't five sparrows sold for two pennies. So it, that's kind of saying how insignificant they are. But also what's interesting about sparrows is that they're actually pests. If any of you are into bird, birding or gardening or anything, sparrows are not a bird. Like Jesus doesn't say, God loves the eagles, he loves you also. Or God loves the peacocks. Even. He doesn't choose these like beautiful, amazing birds. He chooses birds that are actually really annoying, that they're, they're pests. Um, you, I, I found this just when I was Googling sparrows. This is from Reddit, but it says, sparrows suck. Just learn this and talks about how they're not welcomed into the yard and how they're aggressive and threatening to native species. And there's actually tons of articles about how awful sparrows are. This is another one that says, turns out sparrows are evil and it compares them to the drug cartel because of how they move in and just basically overtake everything else and kick out other species. And so they're not a bird that you would say, this is an awesome bird. I, I really enjoy sparrows. Jesus is saying they're insignificant, and for those that know, they're awful birds, and yet, Jesus says God cares for them. Jesus says that God knows everything about them, yet not, listen to what he says, yet not one of them is forgotten in God's sight. Not one of them is, the sparrow, the, I mean, the internet hates them. And Jesus says, not one of them is forgotten in my sight. Not a single sparrow have I forgotten. See, we can fear the outcomes of what might happen in our life if we live faithful. We can fear all the different what ifs. And Jesus is saying, I know every detail, every hair on your head. And I have not forgotten you. You are worth way more to me than sparrows. You are worth way more to me than them. And yet I pay attention to them. I, some of you have pets, right? You've got dogs or cats and, and you love them. Some of you buy clothes for them and you call them your babies and, and you take pictures with them and, and they matter a lot to you, right? 
You, you might have a dog or a cat that really means a lot to you. I mean, I've, and I'm not trying to make light of that. I've sat with people who have lost an animal that they've had for a long time and, and have, they have cried over the loss of this family pet. But when you have a child, you love that child way more than you ever loved that dog or that cat or that goldfish. You, you love them way more than that. That's kind of the comparison that Jesus is making. He's saying, look, I don't forget a single sparrow. So what do you think you are worth to me? I don't forget a single sparrow, these pests, these cheap little birds. But you are worth way more to me than that. And so whatever outcome that you might fear, whatever thing that you might be afraid of, that would keep you from actually being faithful, he says, I know I provide, I'll be there for you in the future. Don't, don't worry. That, that allows us to have a boldness in our faith. That allows us to stay faithful because of what, if one of the things that can keep you from being faithful is what might happen, Jesus is saying, you don't have to be afraid of what might happen because what you know is that I know every detail and I have not forgotten you. You are worth much to me. The third fear that Jesus gives to us that we can be afraid of and the truth that he assures us with is that we can be afraid of being denied by other people, which then often leads us to deny Jesus. Here's how he says this. And I say to you, anyone who acknowledges me before others, the son of man, that's Jesus, will also acknowledge him before the angels of God. But whoever denies me before others will be denied before the angels of God. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. What he's saying here is this. We, we all want acceptance from other people. You and I want to be accepted by other people. We want to be respected by other people. We don't want to be thought that we're strange or weird. We, we don't want that, right? And so then at times, what can happen is if we are so concentrated on other people's acknowledgement of us, of other people's affirmation of us, of other people's approval of us, if that's what we're focused on, it might lead to us denying in some way Jesus, or the ultimate form of that is what Jesus calls the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which one commentator's quote on that is what that means is persistent, unrepentant resistance, which means that it's not just say, Jesus even says, you, you can deny me and actually be forgiven. You can speak against me and actually be forgiven. But if you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, if you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, you will not be forgiven. That's not a one-time individual act of saying, I don't like the Holy Spirit or something like that. It's to completely reject the Holy Spirit and who he is and his message and his work, which is to pronounce who Jesus is. So it is a persistent, unrepentant resistance to the Holy Spirit showing you, here's who Jesus is which is to say the only sin that is not forgiven is the sin that continues to turn away from the message of who Jesus is, 
to for the course of your life say, I don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. I don't care that the Holy Spirit says, here's who he is, here's who he is. I don't care. There is a persistent, ongoing resistance to his message about who Jesus is. We can be afraid of other people denying us, which might lead us to denying Jesus. And there can be all sorts of examples where that shows up in our life. There can be times that you don't want to identify as a Christian. There can be times that people ask you certain things and you're not necessarily sure you want to be honest about it. Even just this weekend, my wife and I were sitting up at a bar counter and ordering food and talking to the bartender and I asked her what brought her out to Denver, and then she asked us what brought us out to Denver, which the reason we came out to Denver was to start uh, this church. So when she asked me, what brought you out to Denver? I was like, oh gosh, I hate having this conversation. (laughs) I said, well, actually, I'm a pastor. And always the most common response to that is, a what? Like It just doesn't even register to people like that would even be possible. But even in that moment, there was inside of me a little bit of fear of, do I want to in this moment identify as a pastor? I'm not just a Christian. I'm a a pastor. That's like really bad. You think Christians are bad, lady? Well, let me tell you about myself. I'm going to be talking about hell and the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit this weekend. Let me... (laughs) Um, it led to a good conversation. But we can be fearful of being rejected by others. We can be afraid of being not accepted, not respected. And at risk of that, we deny Jesus. We deny being associated with Jesus, like Peter did during the crucifixion. I do not know that man. We can be fearful of being denied by others, and thus we deny him. And here's what Jesus says you need to know. That here's a truth that you need to help you remain faithful. He says, don't, don't worry about, about being accepted by others. He says, I offer the ultimate acceptance for you. He says that he... Whoever acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge him before the angels of God. Which means the ultimate, means this, the acceptance that you and I long for, the being on the end that you and I long for, Jesus says, I will give you the ultimate acceptance. That before the angels, before the courts of heaven, Jesus says, I will say, I know that person, they're with me. They're mine. Whatever fear I felt from a bartender that I don't even know, whatever fear you feel with friends or family or coworkers or neighbors, like my experience is just a small little one with a bartender. I know there's bigger consequences than that at times. But whatever fear we feel of being rejected, Jesus says, I will give you the ultimate acceptance and affirmation and acknowledgement. Before the courts of heaven, you belong to me. You're mine. And he even says, 
I already referenced this, but even in this context, it says, I, I, I will forgive even those times that you have denied me. I love that assurance that he gives to say, listen, I, I will forgive. And yet, latch on to the truth of my acceptance that will allow you in the face of whatever other rejection that you face, remember my acceptance of you. Remember my acknowledgement of you. Let that truth give your heart a boldness that it needs to consistently identify with me. And then the final one that he gives us isn't so much kind of about the external stuff that we might be afraid of. We can be afraid of what other people might do to us or think about us. We can be afraid of what might happen if we live faithful. We can be afraid of the denial by other people. The other one is actually an internal thing. The final one that he gives to us is that we can be afraid of our own lack of ability. Here's what he says. Whenever they bring you before synagogues and rulers and authorities, this is kind of envisioning a situation where they would have to stand in front of other people and talk about Jesus. Whenever they bring you before synagogues and rulers and authorities, don't worry about how you should defend yourselves or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that very hour what must be said. This is the final fear that he speaks into, is that we might have a fear of, and again, think about your life where this might show up. We might have a fear of saying, I, I, I don't know what to say to people. If, if I have an opportunity where I'm in front of people, or I have an opportunity, even if it's just one person, I don't know what to say. I'm afraid I wouldn't have the right words. In a lot of conversations that I have with people, when I ask, hey, what keeps you from sharing your faith, or what, what kind of holds you back, a lot of times it's this. It's, I don't know what to say. I don't want to offend somebody. I don't want to come across like a jerk or a know-it-all. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to give Jesus or Christianity a bad name. I don't, I don't know all the answers. I don't, so I, I'm afraid to speak. Oftentimes, this keeps us silent. We don't want to look dumb. We don't want to look ignorant. We don't want to be offensive. And so we stay silent. And this can be hypocrisy because we say that the truth matters to us. We say that other people coming to know Jesus matters to us. We say that people understanding God's truth and getting it into their lives matters to us. But then when it comes time to have an opportunity to speak, we're afraid. We're afraid of how we might look or our incompetence or our inability and this can show up with friends that are Christians even at times, where we see certain things in their life and we want to help them. We want to speak about Jesus to their life, but we're afraid of what they will think of us or our inability, and so we keep silent. Or opportunities with friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, and we, we don't want to say the wrong thing, and so we stay silent. Jesus says, that this fear is one of the fears that comes from or uh, that is one of the fears that we need to be aware of as we live in a hostile world with its pressures to live inconsistently. And says, here's what you need to know. 
You need to know my presence with you. You need to know that your abilities might not be everything that you would want them to be. You need to know that you might not have a, a full presentation planned out for every situation. What do I do with this person? What do I do if someone says this? What do I, you might not have it all planned out. It might happen at an inopportune time. But I'm with you. The truth that you need to know to stay faithful is yes, your abilities might cause you fear, but I'm with you. It says the Holy Spirit will give you the words to speak. So it might be hard to be bold. It might be hard even just to be honest when someone asks you, what did you do this weekend? And you say, I went to church. Even something as simple as that. Even as something as simple as saying, what brought you to Denver? Even something as simple as that, you might be afraid to be honest. And he says, I will be with you. I will, where your abilities are weak, my abilities are strong. Where your words are lacking, my words are abundant. Where you are insufficient, I am completely sufficient for every situation and every relationship and every conversation that you might have. He's saying, you're not alone in this. He's saying, in the hostile world with all of its pressures, you are not by yourself. I am with you along every step of the way. I will be involved. And for those of you that have stepped out in faith and have had conversations like this and have been honest and have been bold, a lot of times you would say, man, I, I didn't know what to say exactly, but man, Felt like in that moment, God was there. Felt like in that moment, God was working. I felt like sometimes people would even say, I felt like in that moment, God gave me the right words to speak. Jesus is saying that's exactly what God will do. When you have a fear of your own self, you need to know that he is present. He is active. There's a lot to fear. There's a lot that is available for us to fear that then can lead to a hypocrisy of inconsistency where we say we believe things, but we live a different way. We say we believe things, but we speak a different way. We say we believe things, but our faith is inconsistent and ultimately inauthentic. And Jesus says, that fear can cripple you, but it doesn't have to. He gives us so many truths that help with each fear. And, and I love, this is so important. Jesus doesn't say, okay, you're afraid? Okay, let me, let me help your fear. And then sometimes the way that we deal with fear is something like this. We, we might say, you got this. You can do this. You've got what it takes. That's not what Jesus says. And Jesus also doesn't say, hey, it'll be totally fine. It'll be okay. He doesn't assure us with the situation just working itself out. And he doesn't assure us with our abilities that we can do it. He actually says, you might not have a clue what to say and they might kill your body. Oh, I thought I had this. I thought you were going like, to give me a boost of self-confidence. Nope. He doesn't tell us it'll all be fine. And he doesn't tell us that we are good. He tells us who he is. He reminds us of his acceptance. He reminds us of his presence. 
He reminds us of his authority and his care. He assures us with his character in the middle of whatever fear that we face. We, all of us, for those of you that are Christians and want to maintain a consistent faithfulness despite whatever social pressures are around us, for those of us that want to remain, remain faithful, it is difficult. We want to be bold. We want to endure. And Jesus says the only way that we can do that is when we take our focus off of ourselves, off of even the situation, and put it onto him. That with every fear that is present, we meet it with the character and the work of God. Only as we do this are we able to remain faithful, to have a courage and an authenticity that's able to live strong, whatever is happening around us. We're going to take communion in just a moment. And when we take communion, for those of us that are Christians, what we are remembering is that Jesus' body was broken and his blood was shed for us. He died for our sin, that he died to bring us into his family, to give us that ultimate acceptance and verdict of you are mine, you are forgiven, you belong to me. That is what bought us all of his care and presence and acceptance. That's what bought that for us is the work of Jesus. None of this that Jesus says is available to us is ours just because of who we are. It's ours because of who Jesus is. And that's what we're remembering when we take communion. That Jesus, in the middle of a hostile world, with all sorts of pressures to to change or even for himself to live inconsistent and hypocritical, remained faithful to the end for us. When we take communion, we're, we're not just remembering God's forgiveness, we are, but we're remembering Jesus' faithfulness to remain steadfast in the middle of every pressure to bring us into his family, to call us, his own, and to buy for us all the privileges that can counter every fear that we might experience. Take a moment in your seat and pray. Ask God to lead you to confession where you need to confess. Maybe you've lived hypocritically and need to confess. Maybe you've allowed yourself to be filled with fear and not have been faithful. Need to confess. And and ask God to remind you of these truths, that even as you take communion, you would have these truths become tangible, physical to you. Also, I'll be in the back if anyone would like prayer for anything going on in your life, whether that's healing for something or just stuff that is happening that you would like prayer for. I'll pray, and then please take a moment to pray in your seat. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace We thank you that though there is much to fear around us, you give us every reason not to fear. You assure us with who you are and what you do. We do not have to fear because we have you. And so I pray that even as we take communion and sing, that you would allow these truths to become more real in our heart. In your name, Jesus.